Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose, and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, who was one of Herod's sons, was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So what we're being told in Matthew is that going back to Nazareth was, was plan B. They were heading back to Bethlehem. At least that was their original idea. Welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I am one of your hosts, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Bible Myers. And Merry Christmas, you guys. Merry we are Christmas. Nine days till Christmas. This is our Advent week three. And this is the one we've been waiting for. It is. We've been very excited. Um, you will see why. I'm so glad that you're listening. We hope that you love it too. So in this episode, we're going to do Rachel's favorite thing, which is... Rabbit trails and deep dives. That's right. And as we do, we want to be intentional about keeping one primary thing in mind. Yeah. And that is that Christmas is about the Son of God coming to dwell on earth, God's kingdom come to earth, God incarnate who has come to be our hope. Our mm -hmm. Advent study this year is a thrill of hope, and Jesus is our hope. He is our salvation. He is the fulfillment of God's promises. All of God's promises are yes in Him. Amen. And so we are going to spend a lot of time this episode, really the whole episode, and we, spoiler alert, ran out of time. So just listen, it's good. There's so much to talk about. But we do the rabbit trails and the deep dives, and we ask all the questions that we have. And what I love about this is that we have freedom as believers to look at Scripture without fear and to yeah. ask what it says, ask what it doesn't say, and to really play in this beautiful sandbox of what is true and what is unchanging, and also to find that however hard we look at Scripture, nothing falls apart. And the truth of Christ the Messiah doesn't change no matter how we look at the details of a story, no matter where He was born exactly, no matter who was there when He was born, right? Right. Okay. Rachel, off the top of your head, what are four things we touch on in this episode? Dragons. Great. Uh, papyrus. Uh, perfect. Uh, gorillas, donkeys, and caves. Okay. I think that's all we need. I don't even know that that gives a very clear picture of what this episode <laughs> is about. It doesn't. It doesn't. But that's okay. So it'll be like a Where's Waldo, but within a podcast episode. You just like, just look for those things. It's like a word search. Check off your bingo card. That's right. Let's all right. Let's do it. Let's go. So here we are, Advent episode. It's the third episode of Advent. Yes. And it is our fifth episode ever. I'm so glad you're keeping track. I'm just counting on this being your favorite episode yet. Let's see how you feel at the I end. I mean, so far <laughs> that has been the rule. So I'd honestly be a little concerned if it wasn't. I hope we're I know, getting better and I know. better. Well, the thing that the listeners don't know is that we're wearing neon ski caps right now. So I feel like that is giving us a good vibe. If that's wrong, I don't want to be right. That's right. And John... Hi, John. Hi. Welcome back, John. Merry Christmas. <laughs> John was wearing a leopard ski cap just for our joy. For the record, the leopard ski cap does not belong to no. John. No, he was humoring us. Yeah. He's done. He's done humoring us. So I do hope this is your next favorite episode, but uh, partly because it, I think it already is mine. I mean, we've been pretty excited about it. I've, I've been very been... much looking forward to and frittering away questions. So this is the episode where we try to stump John. <laughs> we're just, we're, this is a little bit of insight into the inner workings of She Reads Truth, where very often we find um, something in scripture that we're like, huh, we want to know more. And so we immediately turn to the person with the most degrees in the room. The most letters after his name. I mean, yeah, but not really. I mean, <laughs> no, there's, 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 plenty, there's plenty of stuff that I don't know, and we all do research. And <laughs> Here's what I'll tell you. This episode is us picking up the pieces off the cutting room floor of our vision meetings and our handoff meetings, all of the really fascinating lunch conversations that we have, yeah. debates that involve whiteboards, the things that we want to know and we talk about that 
land on the cutting room floor, not because they're not really interesting to talk about, but because we just haven't had a format in which to talk about them. Yes. And so we've been pumped about this. We have been secretly making a list of questions that John was not allowed to see. Yeah, I have. I I mean, I have gracious plenty here, probably more than we can get to. But I mean, we can just jump right in. Should we? Let's go for it. John, are you ready? All right. How do you feel, John? Game face on? It's it's all good. Let's just... You've done your stretches. You're ready to go. Yep. Okay. So one of the longest standing conversations that we've had in the office has to do with animals in the manger. And there are a lot of things. That, Amanda has her heresy card ready. I don't know if you guys okay. saw. I shared this on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so we have these little laminated colored cards um, so that we can give each other nonverbal messages while we're recording. And so there's like blue ones that say like, um, hey, like I have something to add. And there's, you know, an orange one that says, hey, get closer to the microphone. And there's a red one. And what does it say, Amanda? It says heresy question mark. <laughs> but my favorite one, it's either that one or the one that says heresy exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> so, so we like to keep it honest here and we like to only bank on what scripture actually says. And that's the truth. All of these questions that we're going to ask John today, we are not asking him. We can ask what we think. We'll talk about that a lot. But what we really want to know is what does scripture actually say about these things? So as I was teeing this up, I just noticed that Amanda was <laughs> quietly reaching for a red heresy card, like as if, as if she was just prepared I'm for just me gonna to keep stumble. it handy. <laughs> just going to keep it handy. Here. And I also handed one to John and to you. Listen, it matters to us. It actually, in all seriousness, matters to us that it we does. rightly handle the word of truth. We don't want to mislead. That's that would right. be terrifying. And honestly, even having a podcast feels a little scary because what if we do say the wrong thing? Because we're accustomed to written words on a page that can be edited. Mm-hmm. And I mean, truth be told, that's really the only way that I'm comfortable communicating. <laughs> is to have the ability to like put something on paper, walk away from it, come back, edit it, and then slide it across the table. So we're all learning and we're all growing. And it's so important to not, you know, I think we, I <laughs> learned early on, you know, as you're just, you're becoming familiar with the Bible and it's daunting. And so as you continue to read and learn and the dots start to connect, we do grow in our understanding, but I don't think we're ever out of questions. Right. right? Yeah. And, and so I think that's a good thing. And I think it's a good thing to ask questions of scripture, because if scripture is true and we believe that it is, mm-hmm. then it can handle our questions. Yeah. It can stand up to our scrutiny, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's not really what we're here today to do, to scrutinize scripture, but we're here to just take a closer look at things that we're like, huh, that's not the way I've always heard it, or I have always heard it this way. Why? Or this is a question I've never actually asked. We'll get to right. some of those as well. Like, how did that actually work? So the first question that we have came out of, some of you guys know, we have a children's book called This is the Christmas Story. And as we are, you know, writing the book, this was 2018 that it released. And as we were communicating with our illustrator, we were giving some theological direction for what the nativity scene should look like. And one of the writers, I think it was maybe Russ in the room, was just saying, hey, just to be clear, I think we all agree on this. The animals are not going to be bowing down or worshiping or doing any like special attention to the baby, correct? And it sparked such a debate among I mean, us. A longstanding debate. It still continues. Going. I think that we have like team animals at the nativity and team no animals in the nativity. And the team that I currently sit on and, and co-captain it, <laughs> and captain is animals were present at the birth of Christ. And not only that, but they were aware that God, their creator, was in their presence. I remember this effectively derailing the rest of that meeting. Possibly the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and, and we love it. The yeah. truth is we love to be derailed because it's so fun. It's so fun to learn. Okay. So, so John, tell us, further ado. first question is, were there animals present? Which, I mean, there's so much to say about that. But what we are asking is, what does scripture tell us? So scripture doesn't tell us if there were animals present. So the answer is... Which I, blew my mind when yeah. you told me that because I thought, no, yes, it does. Obviously, there were animals Clearly, present. Clearly, every nativity scene has... Every, and then I said, then why do I think that there were? Right. So the scripture doesn't say that there were, but the reason we think there were, there's a few reasons, but the big one is because Jesus is placed in a manger, and a manger is just a feeding trough for animals. Mm-hmm. But the bigger piece is, where exactly was Jesus born, right? Because mm-hmm. this gets to, like, if he was born in a stable then that makes sense that there would be animals present. Right. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. 
what the Bible does say is just that there was no room for them at the inn, mm-hmm. or at least that's the way we've often heard it. Okay, and sidebar here, what would inn have meant? Is it the same thing I'm thinking of as like, oh, like a small, quaint bed and breakfast, a hotel? A place in Bethlehem to accommodate the census visitors. Right. Right now, the majority consensus is that Bethlehem would have been too small to have any kind of public lodging. Okay. And okay. the word that Luke uses, this is Luke chapter 2, the word that he uses, uh, let's see, it's verse 7, is not uh, the word that he later uses in his gospel for in. If you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan, what happens when the Good Samaritan brings the man who's been beaten and robbed? He brings him to an inn, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a different mm-hmm. word in Greek that's used. The word here is the same word used later for the upper room where Jesus and his disciples had the Last Supper. Okay. So the picture that's being so painted... So the exact same Greek word yep. is used in there was no room for them in the inn mm-hmm. and the, where they went for the Last Supper. Right. Wow. So if you're a Greek nerd, it's Cataluma. Um, I am. Which is just kind of fun to say, I right? aspire to be. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I'm not. Um, Cataluma. Um, but so the uh, picture being painted is not that, oh, they went to an inn and the mean old innkeeper said, sorry, all full, you know, be gone with you. Instead, it was they were... You did it. that really well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to get that part. In the <laughs> um, the picture is more of they went to... A, they were at a house and the upper room, the Cataluma, mm-hmm. was full. There was no room. So instead, they went down below. In the first century in Judea, there would have been, in a nicer home, there would have been an upper area, mm-hmm. and that would have been like expansion space for guests, extra bedding, that sort of thing. You know, sometimes it would be the whole family would sleep over would there. Would one up call there. it a bonus room? A bonus room, if you will. <laughs> oh, um, I like that. But down below in these houses, they might keep animals on cold nights. Okay. So the kind of the picture being painted by Luke is that, hey, they weren't upstairs with all the other guests. Because remember, there's a census taking place. Mm -hmm. So it's most likely that if they're at a home, you know, most likely of one of Joseph's relatives, maybe one of Mary's relatives, they're there and they're they're basically what's happening is saying, you're about to give birth. Why don't you go down below where you can have a little bit of privacy in your own space? And there's no room for you in the Cataluma. There's no room for you in the Cataluma. So essentially, there's no room in the guest room. Our guest room is full. Mm -hmm. Our bonus room is full. Okay. But you can go down here, which right. might be better anyway. And you right. might have some privacy. Because, right. Okay. And so because this would have been an area where animals would have been kept on cold nights, it's that's why there's a manger That's there. why there's a manger. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it was a cold night or that animals were there. Okay. I like knowing that. But I still want to have the discussion about if it was a cold night and there were animals present, which is possible, John? Yeah, we don't know. It doesn't say. Thank you. Thanks for let, leaving so that it, open. It doesn't say. Does, that doesn't mean no. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Right? Well, listen. There were people in the meeting who felt strongly that it's ridiculous to think that an animal would bow at the birth of Christ or do something like that, which I can, like bowing, who knows? That seems silly. But here's My what dog I, does that. Your dog does. We call it twinkling. I we don't do. know if that's I don't a thing. Know. My um, daughter named the action. It's weird. It's weird. But it's um, adorable. So what we know is that animals have really um, keen senses. They have senses, they're aware of things that like we aren't aware of. You think of service dogs who are trained to alert you if you're having, like if your blood sugar is too high or if you're too anxious, they know to come and comfort you. Or they're those dogs that can tell when an earthquake is coming. Right. Yeah. Or when they're reunited with their, like with their master. I mean, no, it's been I, years or, and or they still the, know the same, the person when they, I mean, were. you see those like right. YouTube <gasps> videos of like the dog being reunited with the man coming back from war or the woman coming back from war and you see that like the dog like just like cries out of joy to see the the human did you see the one i'm sorry i'm so excited about that did you see the one about the gorilla like the youtube it's a youtube video about a gorilla who's dying and then they reunite him with or her with a master from like a person who took care of her from years and years ago and like she wouldn't eat she wouldn't be couldn't be consoled and as soon as he arrived and he's like an old man she like caresses his face and she'll take her her bottle or whatever she needs it's just remarkable i mean so what we're saying is animals are awesome i mean john was also gonna say my dog my dog scout knew before i did that i was in labor with my first child like she that's crazy attended to me in a very weird way because she knew that something was... She wasn't trained to. Like no. the diabetic thing is like they're yeah. trained for that. But. but but I think animals are so aware of things. And I think that even more than that, imagine if as a created thing, you are in the presence of the thing that created you. 
how much more would you be attuned at least enough to sense the presence of your creator? Okay, I feel like you're making a good case I'm, for no. team bowing hey, animals. I think if all creation is groaning, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, I don't see why not. Thank I, mean, you. I don't see why yeah. animals wouldn't recognize their creator. And I'm not saying that it was like a royal bow, but I'm saying those animals, if they <laughs> like were an there, animated, they knew. I think they knew that their creator was in their presence. We'll have to wait to ask because that'll be on the top Bible of my tell us. List. Okay, so I have a related question. It's not about animals, but it is about where Jesus was born. So I, I have heard, you know, that it, that stable is probably not the most accurate. I was not aware of the guest room, we'll call it, interpretation, which I find super interesting and feels logical. But I have heard that it was more like a cave. Yeah. Like instead of a stable, it was more like a cave. I mean, even when we visited, um, we visited Israel and we went to Bethlehem and it was like, this would have been sort of, and we went into a cave that mm-hmm. would have been like a likely, you know, not a likely place, but a similar, a similar mm-hmm. place. So what, t- talk to us about that, John. So that could be, I mean, the reason that cave comes up is because it's, it's unlikely that anybody would have built what we would think of as a traditional stable. They would have used okay. the natural like the surroundings, in- so they would have used a cave. Okay. The other reason is because a lot of these houses, to make use of the extra space, would be built right along the side of a, a hill mm-hmm. with a cave. Okay. So the back, of the back of the house would back into a cave. So it could be that that's what's, what's happening, is that that so it could bottom be both. room... Yep, that the bottom room sort of continues into the back, into the side of the hill, into a cave. And so we might arrive at that Jesus was possibly born in a cave yep. by assuming that if this was the place where the manger was kept, where the right. animals were fed, then it may have been a cave. Yep. But what you're saying is it also, I mean, it's possible the two theories can coexist. Right. Which, like, I feel like the emoji man with the exploding top of his head, mm-hmm. like, that's I just didn't cool. know that. I didn't know that those two things could possibly go together. But what I am comfortable mm-hmm. <laughs> probably saying, okay, I'm on team. Like it's, it wouldn't have been the, you know, you think of the stable as like, you know, you build with popsicle sticks with your kids, like the little, like what you see in a manger scene. Like it's not, it's probably not that. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Follow up question. Are there currently hotels in Bethlehem and is there sometimes no room? I would say yes and yes. I mean, do, wouldn't you feel just right if you went at Christmas time and tried to get a hotel room and there was no room in there? <laughs> or would you say, like, just tell me there is no room? And then, I just want to feel the feels. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. Um, what happened to Joseph? What do you mean what happened to Joseph? We don't really hear about him after, I think after Jesus is presented in the temple. Yeah. Is there anything else we hear about Joseph? Before or after, right? What do you mean? Like, we don't know much about him, right? right? Before the angel appears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And That's then, true. Or yeah. anything after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, G- Mary is present at the crucifixion, but there's no mention of right. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Right. And the the theory is that he died while Jesus was somewhat young. Okay. Um, before he started his ministry, because there's no mention of him. You know, we just, it, one of the interesting things about Joseph is that when you look at his story, what we have in scripture, he doesn't say anything. We have no recorded words from Joseph. Everything we know about him is what he did. So he, we don't right. have any even recorded words no, in the interaction read, with the angel. Right. If you read, huh. the, if you read the account carefully, like he doesn't say anything. We just hear what he did, which is really, or, to or me, what he intended to do. R- yeah. And, and, huh. and what's really interesting to me is like it, this picture is painted of him being obedient and faithful. Yeah. And we know he was not because of what he said, but because of what he did. Ooh, that'll preach. Right. Exactly. Wow. Wow, that's I really don't cool. think I realized that he didn't have any dialogue, yeah. any words. So, yeah, I didn't realize that either. In scripture. But man, I mean, how powerful to only have action <laughs> recorded. Yeah. Okay. So another question I have, I know the semi answer to this, but I, I don't know the details. We know that probably Jesus was not born on December 25th. But what do we know from scripture and history about when Jesus was born? Yeah, so again, the Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't give us a date for Jesus's birth. Which is okay. Which is okay. But there's some things we do know. One of the theories is that it probably wasn't in December because that would have been the rainier season in Bethlehem. There's no description of rain. Again, an argument from silence. But so it seems less likely that December is the date. Mm -hmm. Another theory is that uh, according to ancient traditions, really great people are conceived and die on the same date. It's a weird thing, I know. 
Whoa. Yeah. So if you take the date for his um, crucifixion, yeah, you get back to roughly December twenty fifth. Okay. Which feels real good. Okay. But again, it's you know it's this weird tradition that you know we would we just mm-hmm. like you did. You said whoa. Um, we don't necessarily. Uh, we don't that know way. that is true. We don't true, know that. But... Nothing in scripture says that. One thing I think is really kind of fun. So wait, but... pause and go back. Yeah. You're saying that that some historians believe that Jesus was crucified round about December 25th. No, I'm saying that he would have been. So if we know his, his crucifixion was in March, okay, right, based on Passover and that. right. Okay, so thank if you. you if that you, clarifies you know, it. So if he's so if you're pregnant for nine months, yeah, what's nine months from March? Roughly December. end of December. So okay. if he was conceived and died in March, that would give him a birthday in December. Okay. That makes yeah. more sense to me. Got it. So it's not the, the birth and death date, right. but the conception and death date. Yeah. But which again, is life. One theory that I find really kind of fun, again, it's something that scripture says, but I find really compelling is something that I just learned this past year. Okay. This is, this is going to get a little long, but just hang with us for a second. We're going to jump around a couple of different places in the Bible and kind of put some pieces together, but we have to kind of hold them before we can put them together. Yeah, okay. I seconded. I've, I've heard you talk about this before, and I, I want I want to just encourage you guys, like, hang with us. Um, this is a really cool connection. Okay. So one of them, and this is a passage that you probably don't think about at Christmas time, Revelation chapter 12. I'm just turning there now. Kind of like Genesis three fifteen. You don't yep. necessarily think of it at Christmas time. Yep. Mm-hmm. But here at the She Reads Truth podcast. Right. I'm going to read beginning at verse one. And this is the ESV. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Merry Christmas. That's a lot of information. Okay. Yeah. So uh, wait, after we read scripture, what do we say? Do you believe this is true? I do. I mean, I do. Do you understand it? No. No. Not well, entirely. Uh, sure don't. John's going to help us a little okay. bit with All that. Right, so, great. and I, I want to I will do real, real like 12,000 foot, you know, because uh, we don't want to spend all, all episode in Revelation. But <laughs> people look at this and they say, this is a picture of what's going on behind the scenes during Jesus's ministry. So, in real quick, it goes from Jesus' birth, his ministry his death, and his resurrection, and his ascension, all in one phrase. Wow. You know, it says, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God. All of that in that one, you know, half a sentence there. Hmm. And so what they do is they take this passage, and if you view it as astral prophecy, astral prophecy is when the stars, the sun, the signs in the heaven, in the heavens, the stars, the planets, tell us information. So it says in Genesis that he gave the sun, moon, and stars as signs of seasons. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of one of those things. And and it feels like we pay less attention right. to that right now. It's not a mode we think in. Mm-hmm. We tend to go astrology, bad. Mm-hmm. Right. I was about to say, right. it feels like something that we yeah. are kind of taught to be afraid of. But it's a way that a biblical writer might communicate information. So the yeah. theory is that John in the book of Revelation is giving us some information. And we have hints like, uh, it says the woman was clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. And it says that he calls the serpent, the ancient serpent is the red dragon here, right? And we know he's the devil. Mm-hmm. And so we have these clues and we go, what, what does that all mean? And so I'm not going to get into all the details, but basically there are certain constellations that if you put them in the sky at the right place to make these things true, we end up with a very specific time frame. Okay. So it just happens to be around the turning of the age, right? So that's one piece of it. It doesn't give us an exact date, but it gives us... What do you mean by the turning of the age? Oh, I'm sorry. So like when we went from AD to BC. Oh, okay. Um, But the constellations we're talking about are, and again, Scripture doesn't say this, but these are deduced from the details we do get. So we know, you know, the the Messiah was born of a virgin. So the woman here would be Virgo. 
right? Mm-hmm. Constellation that stands in for the Virgin. And the dragon would be Draco. So if you take these constellations, put them uh, in alignment with the sun, moon, and stars to be clothed with the sun. You know, this is, these are all details telling you where to put them in the sky. But you're saying if we take these clues and think about them as mm-hmm. constellations, when would these have aligned in the way that's described in Revelation 12? And you're saying that astronomers have said, actually, it would have aligned this way right around yeah. this time. It would have been reasonable to say, that, wow. yeah, it's in this time period. But the other piece that makes it really neat is from another another passage of scripture, as we know, the wise men followed a star, yeah. right? Okay, and, so there's another right. heavenly body. Right, another heavenly body. And, and the thing is, so the word that's used there for star doesn't necessarily mean our literal scientific definition of star, okay. ball, ball of gas, right? It can be any heavenly body that shines in the night. Uh, like and in this case, a bright and notable right. one. Okay. And so, you know, I've heard theories about it's a certain comet or it's a planet. One of the things that uh, that kind of fits in this uh, with this with this understanding of the date is that it's Jupiter. Uh, okay. The reason we say this because Jupiter is one of those heavenly bodies that does this weird thing where it appears to go backwards in the sky. Mm-hmm. Jupiter in retrograde, and it says that when they followed the star. Let me pull up the the passage here. Um, now, this is Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So they're following a star. And then it says when they leave Herod's presence, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So the, the it's star, a lot of specifics about yeah, the star. And the star is stopping, right? Which is weird. So yeah. one of the heavenly bodies that would appear to do that is Jupiter. Okay. And it just so happens that if you take those constellations yeah. that we talked about in Revelation and you take Jupiter in retrograde and put those together and say, when would this have occurred in the sky over Israel? And we know from what the wise men told Herod that the star appeared two years earlier. So you put all of that together and you end up with a date of September 11th, 3 BC. No kidding. Yeah. That's correct. So if you so want to get... So that could actually be right, our Christmas. That could actually be our Christmas. So we've, we've missed Christmas. We've missed Christmas. We're late. Yeah. So wow. Yeah. Um, and again... And we don't know. We don't know this. We're but using scripture as clues. Right. And it's, at, it's a really wow. fun theory, right? It's really fun to say like, hey, these are the clues that scripture gives us. It doesn't change anything right. about what we believe. Nope. It doesn't change anything about who God is. Mm-hmm. But it is fascinating. Here's it helps what us I to love. remember to like to read the words as they were intended to be read also. Right. It does, but it also helps. I think it kind of puts us in our place a little bit to know that, you know, yes, we are doing our human best yeah. to read and understand God's word. And we celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th. And that is... Fine, that is good. Mm-hmm. And there's there's not anything wrong with that. But what I love about seeing the possibility of even deeper connections and an even grander design than we would ever like what what you've just described, it's like I need to listen to you say that maybe four more times. Well so that I can just, super follow it. What and John like, just described is God at creation setting the planets, the heavenly bodies in place and in motion and with fully knowing that they would align and that if if this is the case, that Jupiter would be where it was and doing what it was doing when the Son of God was born. So in a way to lead these men to the specific place. I mean, it's wow. mind blowing. It's it's mind blowing. And so I think that there's something really beautiful and right and worshipful about not just like you know, we don't just chase theories just to chase theories. We're we're chasing after truth and and God and understanding more of the vastness of who he is and what he has done. And how big he is, how in control he is, and how I need to stop worrying about where my next meal's coming from. <laughs> I mean, that will also preach. Rachel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Katie from She Reads Truth. I want to tell you about our new study book, Philippians. We are so excited about this plan because it's all about joy. We can rejoice in all circumstances, and it's all because of Jesus. This is the best news, and it's the central message of Philippians. We can't wait to read Philippians as a community starting February 10th. This study book is packed with amazing extras, daily reflection questions, and so much more. We hope you'll join us for this two-week study. 
you know we love to give our podcast listeners a special discount. So head on over to shopshereadstruth.com and use the code JOY15 for 15% off. That's JOY15 for 15% off your Philippian study book. Okay, so the wise men and the star. Let's camp out there for a minute because when I think of common Christmas misconceptions that I, not not that they have, but that, that I have and had growing up and learning the Christmas story, I assumed that the wise men and my nativity scene showed me yeah. that the wise men were there at the birth of Jesus presenting gifts. Right. And that misconception has been more widely kind of debunked as we've just taken a, even a cursory look at scripture. We can know that that's not the case. Right. But help us kind of unpack the wise men a little bit more, John. Yeah. So this is kind of, you know, my own journey of loving the Christmas story and trying to look at it from every angle. This is kind of one of those things that first got my attention. I remember hearing as a kid a pastor say that, you know, the wise men showed up about two years later. And then looking at my mom's nativity scene at home going, whoa, whoa, whoa hey, move those camels away. They don't, they don't belong there. <laughs> um, and I'm like literally moving them across that the That man room. with the crown. Get yeah. him out of there. Mm-hmm. So we know that the wise men saw the star two years before arriving in Bethlehem, which leads many people to believe that Jesus was about two years old. So he wasn't, it wasn't the night he was born. It he wasn't, wasn't a newborn. Right. He wasn't a newborn. Even the word that's used to describe him is a word that would be used to describe a small child, a toddler. Um, uh, you know, so wait, it's, what's the word? I don't know. If oh, okay. Sorry. We don't have to, <laughs> I want to ask. Yeah. I could look it up, but yeah. But anyway. So this is before the flight to Egypt though, correct? That's right. Okay. And by flight to Egypt, you mean when Mary and Joseph took Jesus and, and ran, yeah. escaped. Yeah. Okay, so while we're still on the wise men, talk to us about the gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Give us like a little bit of, you know, what's the significance of those gifts? Value. One of the girls on our team. value. Yeah, Go. Yeah. One of the girls on our team was asking like, well, how did they carry them? Like, how did they conceal their gifts so that they wouldn't be stolen on their journey? Like, I don't know. I just imagine that they had them like under their pillow, whatever they were using as a pillow. Under their sleeping. Skirts. Just like, just right there. You keep it. Just yeah. like you do with your tooth when there, you're a kid. So there, there are, you know, I've read things where they talk about the significance, you know, that what they were used for. I actually don't think that's the point at all. I think the point is simply that they were expensive. Okay. They were so gifts I, fit for royalty. I think the thing that I had heard, and tell me that I'm wrong, like, I mean, we talk about Jesus as becoming the fulfillment, the truer and better waited for prophet, priest, and king from the Old Testament. And so I had heard, you know, the gold would have been his gift as a king, that the uh, frankincense would have been something that a priest would have used, and that the myrrh was something that a prophet... I don't, I don't know if that yeah. holds up. And I also know that um, I've heard other people say the gifts were in themselves prophetic, that at least the frankincense and the myrrh were things that would prepare him for burial. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. I've heard those things as well. Okay. And it's kind of like they fall apart a little bit, right? Because you go like, okay, well... I mean, well, I can't tell them straight. Well, but I mean, you go, okay, so maybe frankincense and myrrh might have been used for a burial, but then what about the gold, yeah. right? Like that becomes like a, this oddity that we sort of just don't talk about. Or, you know, the prophet, priest, and king thing, like that, again, were the wise men thinking that? I There's no indication they would have. Yeah. They understood he was king. And there's nothing in scripture that tells us that connects these three things to say, this is what they mean. So... Again, nothing wrong with kind of exploring those things. I just, if we're going to stick close to what Scripture says, I wouldn't go there necessarily. Yeah. Um, Again, fun to explore, but just, you know, the thing we do know about them is they're very expensive. And then the other question, just like what happened to Joseph, what happened to the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Like, what did they do with that? So one of the interesting things is if you take Matthew and Luke, two different stories we have, they tell us the the birth narratives of Jesus, two different gospels that tell us the birth narratives of Jesus. In Luke, the family is definitely poor. Okay. We know this because when Jesus is presented at the temple and they make an offering for Mary's purification, they gave the offering for the poor. Uh, It says in Luke chapter two, I'm reading in verse 24, they came to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So we know from the book of Leviticus that that was the optional offering uh, only available to the poor. In other words, if you had the money, you were supposed to give a lamb. And they didn't. So okay. they didn't have the money. Which means two things. One, that they were indeed poor. 
and two, that they were probably no longer in possession of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Question mark. Actually, no. It means that they didn't have it yet. Remember, this is this oh, is this is roughly forty days after Jesus is born. Okay. So they they wait, you know, the eight days for the thank circumcision, you. and then they wait the additional time for for, Mar- for Mary's purification. Okay. So this is only you know a few weeks after Jesus is born. He's born in Bethlehem. They travel, you know, just a few miles to Jerusalem and they dedicate him at the temple. They make that offering. And then, you know, two years later is when the wise men show up. So then the question becomes, if they're poor and they find themselves in the position of needing to flee to Egypt with their family. And they went straight from Bethlehem? Yeah. So two pieces. First first off, I just want to (laughs) fill in. So they had to flee because after the wise men came to Herod and told him, hey, we're here to seek a king, Herod grew insanely jealous and sent soldiers to murder every male child two years of age and under. Just to cover his bases. Which we talked about a little bit last week, that he was trying to thwart somebody taking his kingdom. Right. Okay. And so... You know, Joseph is warned in a dream. Uh, Angel appears to him and says, you know, take your family, flee to Egypt, and they do that. And Joseph, again, judged by his actions, not by his words. Mm -hmm. And how far would that have been-ish? Short trip, long trip, medium trip? It's a long trip. Okay. Um, And we don't know where they went to in Egypt exactly. We don't know if there was... We know there was a Jewish community, but we don't know exactly where they went. We do know it's really expensive to just pick up your family and go. And this is, you know, a family, like a man and a woman who made the journey to Bethlehem on a donkey. We don't know that, but... but <gasps> we don't know that. <laughs> what? There's, there's no donkey Hold mentioned. the um, phone. But all of my paintings have a right. donkey. It, but it I have been. a little wooden donkey with a Mary, and you, yeah. like, move it toward the... Right. I mean, it's, it's... it's Talk to us, John. It's probable, maybe even likely. I okay. But, but there's no mention of a donkey. Um Guys, you heard it here first. Yeah, I'm no sorry. I'm like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm killing all the animals of Christmas. All of the animals of Christmas right. are crying. <laughs> yeah. No, this is so interesting. Yeah. It's so good. So now, when they do the like Christmas spectacular at the Rockettes, like in that whole thing where the camels and the donkeys well, all walk down to the stage, we don't know that it was a donkey. We don't know that it wasn't. Right. Right. Yep. Uh, Could have so been okay. a camel. Could have. Listen. Okay. So, sorry. Wow. We just, we needed a minute. So I do have, I want to pause quickly to answer your question, Amanda, because we do have a map in the Advent book on page 130 for those of you who have your Advent books handy, but it is the travels of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And it takes us from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Jerusalem for the purification offering, then to Egypt and back to Nazareth. And that map says that that route that I just described was in total about 590 miles. Is that correct, John? And that's approximate. Yeah, it's approximate. It's super approximate, but that's just from us using, honestly, Google Maps from like, if you were to, if you were to walk Nazareth and like the route I just described. And for the purposes of just knowing like kind of what I asked, like was it short, medium or long trip? Like, is this like, I'm going to go from Nashville to Franklin or is this, I'm going to cross state lines like for me today. So, so how, I hope there was a donkey. How'd they do that? Well, God's provision, right? God, they just, they just received these really expensive gifts. Okay. So the theory is that this is how they finance that trip. They pawned the gifts. Well, I don't want to say they pawned. Pawned but they had, doesn't feel like it's got a negative suddenly, connotation. They suddenly found themselves in a position where they could make this trip to save their family. Wow. So we think, wow, how convenient. But really it's like, wow, like the Lord's provision. Right. Like from the stars down to the gifts Whether that were given. Whether these were prophetic gifts or um, fulfillments of prophecy, the thing that we know is that they were provisional. Right. right. Oh, wow. That's cool. Okay. So I know that we're talking a lot of timeline stuff and map stuff right now, but I do have a question. So you're saying that two years after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, they're still in Bethlehem because that's when the wise men get there. So right. why are they still in Bethlehem? Because two they years? had gone there for the census. Right. Gave birth. Yep. Why didn't they go back? Yeah. You would expect that they're done with the census and they've made the offerings and they're ready to go. They're going to go back home to Nazareth, but they don't. We don't really get told why. And and it's one of those things where if you read, if you just read Luke, the information is presented and the whole episode of the wise men and the flight to Egypt is left out. So we're left to assume they went right back to Nazareth. It's in Matthew where we have the other side of the story where we see what took place two years later and they're still indeed in Bethlehem. 
Wow. Let's look at what happens when they come back from Egypt. This this will give us part of part of the answer. I'm flipping to Matthew chapter two. So it says, but when Herod died, this is chapter two, verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, who was one of Herod's sons, was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. So what we're being told in Matthew is that going back to Nazareth was, was plan B. They were heading back to Bethlehem. At least that was their original, original idea. And does this have anything to do with, you know, house and lineage of David? Like this, Joseph is going back to his hometown, so to speak, and right. maybe he just loved it there. We, I we, think you could do well there we don't, in Bethlehem. We don't know. It's the, we never get the why but it does seem like they were planning on relocating to Bethlehem permanently. One theory is that, so, you know, Gabriel appears to Mary and says, you are going to give birth to the son of the most high. And then an angel of the Lord, we're not told if it was Gabriel or not, but an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and tells him that the baby that Mary is pregnant with is God's and that you were to name him Jesus. So unconventional. Right. <laughs> and hard to understand. But both from an outsider's perspective. Right. But both Mary and Joseph are sort of now in the know. They know who this child is. They yeah. know, you know, especially as he's the Messiah. He's yeah. the son of David that was promised. He is the son of God. And they also know, you know, as good Jewish, you know, good Jewish man and woman, that the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem, right? Yeah. So now again, they don't manipulate things. They're 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 there because of the census. They don't really have a choice in the matter. But one wonders, like, did they look at those prophecies and say, oh, we got to raise this kid in Bethlehem. That's where David was from. That's where he's got to be from, too. Okay, so I want to pause because I have, I want to, like, pause and climb up to the top of the ladder and kind of look at this conversation that we're having and ask us, what does this conversation teach us about reading the Bible? Yeah. Because this is a story that because I know the three of us at this table well enough to know that we grew up knowing this story. Yeah. Right? So if we grew up knowing the story of the birth of Christ, why is there so much new information? Yeah. And what does this teach us about reading our Bibles? Is it's not that we can't trust what we're taught because, you know, we were taught the Christmas story by people who loved us and who loved the Lord and loved Scripture. Yeah. But I think it does teach us that we don't ever have it all buttoned up. Yeah, And that when we're too familiar or not too familiar, when we're super familiar mm-hmm. with a story or think we are, mm-hmm. there's probably stuff that we're missing. Does that make sense? Or when we're so familiar with a story, we don't actually remember to read it. I think we think, right. oh, and yeah, 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 Luke 2, Linus from Peanuts. Like, obviously, we tell know that to story. Ourselves. And we retell it to ourselves, which is good. And scripture says, like, recount these stories to your children. Yes. Like, what we're doing is good. Open your Bibles. I think that maybe it's this, right? Maybe it's that what we are doing is good, but maybe there's something that's even better. Yeah. To really go there and to read in context and to not just read the Christmas story at Christmas, Mm -hmm. but to remember the part that it plays in the whole. I think the biggie. I think the biggie is to remember to read scripture in chunks and to read while uh, kind of being aware of our own familiarity of scripture. And that really applies to so far beyond the Christmas story. I think I sometimes read 1 Corinthians 13 and go, yeah, yeah, clanging symbols. Like I know it, have not love. But when I read it, then I, and and really digest it and try to not feel familiar with it. And so with the Christmas story, to start in Matthew 1, to read the genealogy, to read the different gospel accounts. And John, like you pointed out, the different sort of scenes in the story that they zoom in on. I think it's important to read them in one sitting. I think that's really valuable. And not to just start with Luke 2 verse 1 and kind of even all the way to the end, don't forget that there's more to that story. And the other thing that I love is not just reading it ourselves, but if you have kids, opening that Bible with them and asking them to read it, because what you're doing for them, you're giving them such a gift because you're teaching them not just what the story says, but you're teaching them to read it for themselves. So as they go into adulthood, they've grown up reading the actual text. And they will ask questions. Because I didn't grow up reading the actual text. I grew up hearing the stories. Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference. Teach those babies to read their Bibles. 
And and also, I would just add, like, don't be afraid when you come to something that seems weird, right? Like, I just read that passage from Matthew 2. It should strike us all as odd that it really does seem like they were headed back to Bethlehem mm-hmm. when we've all heard the opposite. Right? We've all heard, no, 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 they're from uh, Nazareth, and that's where they went back, right? Well, yeah, they did go back there, but there was this weird thing that's, that is so important. I always like to say, papyrus isn't cheap, so if it's there, <laughs> if it's there in Scripture, it's there for a reason. Yeah. And this is this little like thread that you start pulling on, and then you, you read, and you realize, like, oh, there's so much more to this that I didn't see but was really there. Something that I really enjoy about watching you study scripture, John, is that when you find something curious or weird or or something that doesn't make sense. Yes. In scripture, you just said, like, don't be afraid of those things. I don't see you get afraid. I see you get excited. Oh, yeah. Because you're like, there's something there. And um, and I think that's such a good way to view scripture because it's God's word. And we say this all the time that it is God's gift to us so that we might know him. Mm -hmm. So how much delight must it bring the author of scripture to see us digging in and poking at it and like, what, what's this? What's here? And to delight in that, like he delights in us when we delight in his word. Exactly. All right, Amanda, we are sadly out of time. I hate to be but the time police. So this is what we're going to do. We didn't have a full plan for what we wanted to do for Advent week four, because we kind of wanted to see where this conversation took us. And what I know is that I have so many questions that are still outstanding, so many things that are from the cutting room floor of our meetings that I want to get to talk about. So why don't we come back next week and talk about some of these things? I want to talk about Simeon and Anna. We haven't talked about I them yet. I love Simeon and I Anna. I want to talk about, was it a silent night? I want to ask, you know, what about the shepherds? Like, we haven't talked much about the shepherds at all. I want to talk about them. I want to ask, did Jesus have a surname? And what was it? I want to know. Williams. I want to know. You Jesus know, did, Bible Williams. Jesus, <laughs> 100% right. Did Mary bear shame for bearing the son of God. I think it's just, I have so much more to ask. And I I think that there are a lot of interesting things to talk about. So can we do that next week? Is that okay? I think we should, because it also gives us a whole week to think of new questions. Oh my word. This is going to be the episode that never ends. Gird your loins, John. This is going to be good. Do we not say gird your loins? I don't know that we say gird your loins. Well, listen. Feels inappropriate. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's probably not, but. All right. Heresy. (laughs) That was the the first time the heresy card got thrown. (laughs) So we are on our way out, but before we go, let's talk beauty, goodness, and truth. Yes, let's do. Because it is one of our favorite things to do. We look at scripture and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. And we also look at life and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there. So Amanda or John, where are you guys finding that in your lives this week? Rain. Yeah. I am loving rain lately, like the fall into winter rains in Nashville and just, um, they can be, it can be a little bit, uh, intense, yeah. <laughs> but in a, um, if you're under the nice covering of my back porch, which I invite, you're all invited. I was just there this weekend. Yes. It's really delightful. And there's such, it's such a ready metaphor yeah. for so many things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm loving rain. Yeah. The end. <laughs> What about you, John? I like rain too. No, oh, um, good. Yeah, I, like one thing that this time of year is my favorite, right? So I feel like we live in Nashville all year long, but it's not until like October, November that we really, my wife and I really start doing stuff. And I don't know why that is. It just feels like our favorite stuff is like fall related or Christmas related. And so one of the things we do every year, we've made this tradition even before we lived here, is we go and see a certain Christmas show at the Ryman Auditorium. It's Andrew Peterson's Behold the Lamb of God. So good. It Highly is, recommend. It is like the moment where we go, okay, Christmas is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's a super special thing. And if you've never seen the show, I totally encourage you to go. He tours it. So if you if you live in an area where he's coming, please make a, make a point to go see it because it's great. He does what we are doing right now, which is he's going and he's digging into scripture and he's telling the Christmas story from a very biblical perspective. Um, he starts in the Old Testament and traces the story all the way through to the birth of Jesus. And it is phenomenal. It is beautiful. It is beauty, goodness, and truth. And I mean, man. I would proudly plug that Yes. It is, an, is incredible. We'll put um, a link in the show notes yeah. if it's not too late. I have two things. One, of I always have to talk about food because food is one of my favorite things. I kind of rely on you to talk about food because yeah. I enjoy hearing you talk about food. One of the beauty good things in my life right now is charcuterie boards. 
Yes. I love a charcuterie Amen. board. And I think that we put too much pressure on ourselves to, you know, that's got to be way too hard. But I mean, free us, Rachel. You came over today and I threw, I had some chunks of cheese. I had a little salami. And, and you guys, it was 10 a.m. And I was so delighted listen, to see a charcuterie board at 10 a.m. I had like five breadsticks left and five chocolate covered pretzels left. And it was just enough to make a little. Charcuterie board. I like this. I think you're like, you're declaring freedom Freedom. over our, because isn't the essence of a charcuterie board that you just sort of like throw it together? It's sort of a this and that. I don't know. Is charcuterie not an English word? Who knows? We're going to find that out. Um, Show notes. But I also think it's just so simple to like grab a couple sprigs of rosemary and just kind of tuck it in and make it feel just a little thoughtful. It's like next level to me. You don't have to. The rosemary. No, in a good way because it's easy, but it feels classy yeah just a little classy yeah that's good that's good i think the other thing i'm loving right now my son oliver is in seventh grade and he's homeschooled and he has been reading a book by oscar wilde and it's just short stories and he and i have been in the mornings before i go to work we've been taking walks and just kind of unpacking the short stories that he's been reading and a of all i love oscar wilde like and i think that it's been really fun to watch oliver kind of notice good writing and notice um, just a well-crafted story and to experience what it's like to get lost reading and not remember that he has X many pages left. Oh, that's good. And the stories and the stories that he's been reading have been, you know, the sort of C.S. Lewis-esque where like it's been funny and sweet to see him make gospel connections in these stories. And so I think it's just been really sweet to find with my son gospel connections, even in secular literature. Just been cool. good. Yeah. All truth is God's truth. Yeah. Yeah. We can say that. Sure. Just (laughs) did. Just did. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. All right, gang, we um, are so grateful that you joined us. We are coming back next week and we're going to talk about all that and more. Yes. And if you have not, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, give it a five-star rating so that others can find it and join us here too. And if you have questions about some of the stuff we talked about in this episode, if you want to see some of the scripture references that John read, or you want to dig into that anymore, we have all of that and more in our show notes, which you can find probably where you're listening to your podcast right now. But you can always go to shereadstruth.com slash podcast and find all of our show notes right there. And probably, if you're lucky, a photo of me and Amanda and John in our stocking caps. So, you know, don't miss that. (laughs) Oh, one would be so lucky. All right. We will see you guys next week. And until then, Amanda, what should we do? Keep opening your Bibles. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleigh song tonight. Oh, Jesus.